going to do a little bit different this morning. I'm going to preach and then give you an opportunity to worship just a little more. We're going to do two songs at the end. Sometimes we come to church and we got a lot of stuff going on in our, in our head and we hadn't prepared our heart to worship and and we get up and we listen to other people worship and then you hear the message and maybe you deal with some stuff and, and a lot of times you don't have the opportunity again just to express your your worship to the Lord and give God the glory. So we'll just change up a little bit this morning. So if you're here when I when I finish at the end of the message, it's not El Toro time. <clears throat> Unless you just got to go, and if you do, you can go. All right, looking in Luke chapter 1. Let me get... <clears throat> All right, starting off in verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense and when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and she shall call, or you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers of the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of of the just of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I'm gonna stop right there, and uh, I just want to say this message. I yeah, I'm trying to get to where I kind of cut my message back a little bit. I love to preach about two and a half hours every week, but that don't work. <clears throat> but um, so so as you go through this week, and I mean you read that right there, and this is the way a lot of people do their Bible study. They'll they'll read something like that right there, and they'll go, "Oh, what in the world's that got to do with me?" But if you'll take what I preached this morning, and hopefully this week, this, this one section of Scripture has so many different ways that you could chase after this that it is good for you, okay? And so I encourage you this week to, uh, to build on this in your own personal life and see what God speaks to you out of this. But I want to talk to you this morning about discouragement. I want you to leave encouraged. Seems like there's a lot of people right now that you're that I talk to with you, and, and uh, you're going through some, some type of discouragement or another. Uh, you know, discouragement is the feeling of hopelessness or failure or impossibility or sadness or being beat down or the loss of confidence or depression. And and, and so th- when you look at the Bible all the way through the Bible, I didn't realize until I started looking at that this week of how many times <clears throat> that. That the Bible talks about people who face discouragement in their walk with the Lord. 
and, and I believe one of the reasons why this is like one of the devil's big guns. He uses discouragement in so many different ways to try to shut down God's people. He wants to take away the, the joy and the rejoicing of God's people. And in doing that, he takes away the glory that we should be giving to the Lord. Oftentimes, you know... You, <laughs> Discouragement comes from a lot of different sources, whether it's a circumstance in life, whether it's a, a greater challenge that you face, whether it's maybe uh, maybe you've sinned and you haven't dealt with it, maybe you've got fails or, or falls and failures in your life, difficulties, it can be sickness, physical infirmities. There's just a whole vast amount of things that, that the devil can use to cause discouragement. But, but here's the thing. Um, none of those things can produce discouragement. Okay, it's not the circumstance or your sickness or your loss of your job or a loss of a loved one or <clears throat> troubles in your in your marriage or troubles in your finances or or, or maybe you made bad choices and or, or you've just blatantly sinned against God. All those different things cannot produce discouragement. What produces discouragement is the lie that Satan speaks to you concerning the situation. You have a choice because there are times where we look at in God's Word where, for instance, when, when Israel, there, different things come to my mind when I looked at the Scripture. They were discouraged when, when Pharaoh, you know, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And, the, and then Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should listen to him? And all of a sudden, when they wasn't immediately set free, they, they all became discouraged. And then God went through the judgments and, he, and he, he let them go free and they went out into the wilderness. And it was like, as soon as they got into their situation in the wilderness, rather than focusing on what God had already done, the next thing you know, they're grumbling, mumbling, and they're discouraged about their situation in wilderness. And then Moses, the man of God, got discouraged because of the people always complaining and murmuring. And you remember Abraham, God called him out and said, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you you know, a, a seed, a, a group of people that number more than the sands of the sea. And 20 years went by in Abraham's life before God, actually 25, but you know, 20 years goes by and he's so discouraged. I st- I'm here, I see the land you promised, but I still don't have a son. And then you see David when when David was anointed as king as a young boy and then later on Saul who was the king of Israel started uh, persecuting and chasing after David and many of the psalms he wrote was in that situation and, and when he was in the cave of Dulem he was very discouraged because here he is being being chased after and his life is threatened by his enemies and then another one was when uh, Israel faced great enemies. Oftentimes, you know, when God brought them into the land of the Canaanites, he said, I'm going to give you this people. He spoke it. He already told him what he was going to do. And I want you to let that register. When God speaks, then it's going to happen. No matter what. You understand that? When God says something, it's not, well, if you and if I, and maybe I can work all this out. God's not fretting in heaven over your circumstance or over your situation. He's done spoke, and it's going to happen. But but instead, we, we oftentimes listen to the lie because the devil just plagues our mind with all these scenarios that we're not in control of. And we'll listen. He'll lie to us and lie to us. Next thing, we're, we're believing that more than what we're believing what the Word of God says. And 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 so Israel, think about Goliath. You know, when Goliath was out on the battlefield, he was saying, "Give me a man out here." You know, and where were they at? They were in the trenches hiding. They were discouraged because this this giant is out there taunting them. And then, oftentimes, <clears throat> if you'll read the the Psalm, you'll see where David has a lot of songs where he was sick. 
And he was dealing with infirmities and he was discouraged with that and he was praying out to the Lord. Peter in the New Testament, when he was walking on the water, here's Peter walking on the water, Jesus is walking on the water and he said, come out here to me and Peter's walking on the water and all of a sudden when the waves rose up and the winds grew on him that he became discouraged and he began to sink and he cried out to Jesus and the Lord saved him and there's another time where the disciples were out in the boat and they were out there rowing all night because the winds was contrary. And, and, and you know, they, they became greatly discouraged. That was the same night Jesus came to them walking on the water. Then another time where the water was, Jesus was in the boat. He was, he was sleeping and he was resting and he was relaxed. But there was a storm and water was coming over and it was about to sink the boat. And rather than them recognizing who was in the boat, they, all they could focus on was the waves and their situation and the circumstances and what they thought was going to happen that never happened. The devil was lying going, I'm going to sink you and the Son of God. And they believed it. Rather than going, are you serious? I'm in the boat with Jesus. You know, he's the giver of life. Who cares if we drown? He'll raise us up. And the problem was they didn't even understand who he was that time. I think that's a lot of people who get discouraged today. We don't even understand who it is that's in our boat. You know, who's in this with us and who brought us to this place? He didn't. He doesn't bring you to a place in life just to go, oh, I don't know what to do now. I hope you got it. He doesn't do that. He brings you to a place because He wants to see who's in the boat with you. And then He wants to show you that He's greater than your storm. He's greater than your Goliath. He's greater than your sin. He's greater than your falls and your failures. He's greater than your enemies. Okay, And that's, that's what produces encouragement is when we look to Jesus and we recognize. And then you got the... This is my last one. You got the one with Paul in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter... 12 where he, where he prays and he said he had a thorn in the flesh that a messenger from Satan had buffeted him with a thorn in the flesh and he had prayed three times that God would take this thorn in the flesh away this infirmity whatever it was that he would take it away and the Lord said no no my grace is sufficient my grace is sufficient for that so God doesn't always change your circumstance or change your situation and and God doesn't and I'm not trying to paint you know a bed of roses that when you you're going to have difficulties in life Jesus told you was well, you're going to go through battles in life because Christianity like it or not is a warfare that we don't even recognize that we're in most of the time and Satan uses all these different circumstances today it's going to happen to you tomorrow it's going to happen to you tomorrow especially on Mondays you know, you know what I'm saying. On Mondays, Sundays are good. Mondays are are nightmares usually. And all of a sudden, Satan wants to just, you know, today. We're hopefully, when you worship, you know, you're in God's presence and He's magnified in your sight. And that's why you're like, oh, I love Sunday and and I, I love being in worship and I love being in God's presence. And I'm so encouraged through that. And then Monday, Satan wants to do what? He wants to exalt. The world and our flesh and the troubles and all the calamity that he can possibly try to bring about in your life so that all of a sudden you become discouraged and you live a defeated week. And, and, and through that, the devil's like, look at that, man, I just robbed God of glory. I, I took his glory. That's what he's doing. You don't realize that when you worry and, and you fret and, and, and all these different things that you do, that what you're doing is the devil's going, I'm going to take God's glory. Isn't that what he wanted to do to start with? That's why he got kicked out of heaven, because he wanted to be God, and he's trying to take God's glory. And it's so sad that so many of us, I'm talking to me this morning, so many of us just give it to him. You know, rather than going, do you realize who's in my boat? Do you realize who is leading me? Do you realize who is guiding me? Do you realize what has been promised to me? And you need to quit listening to the lie. And so many of us, become discouraged because of what we listen to here instead of what we listen to here. 
telling you, and I want you to realize this morning, understand, and especially for new believers and young believers and all that stuff, salvation, when you trusted in Jesus, you didn't just go, hey, all right, I made a spiritual decision and, and now my sins are forgiven and now I need to start trying to do good. Mm-mm. You step out of an army tank and onto a battlefield that you will realize is a war. It's a very real war. And here's the thing, the more of you want of God, the more the devil wants of you. And you will battle it for the rest of your life, for all of your days. And if you're not in that warfare, then you're dead in the water already. And what's the point? And so don't be, don't be discouraged because you face difficulties, trials, because, because you have temptations in your life, because you fall. Don't be discouraged over your falls and failures. Okay, Be encouraged that His grace is sufficient. Be encouraged that He never leaves you nor forsakes you. Be encouraged that He said, Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. We need to come back to God's Word and quit looking at our falls, our failures, our troubles, our trials, our our difficulties, and come back to the place where we should see rightly. And that's what I want to give you some hope and some confidence this morning. Looking back in Luke chapter 1, this is such... An awesome passage of Scripture. Looking in verse 5, I'm going to read again, but we're going to just kind of tear it apart as we go. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, the division of Abijah, his wife, the daughter of Aaron, her name was Elizabeth. I'm going to stop there, okay? If you're going to be encouraged, okay, and, and think about this, you need encouragement every day. You don't realize the purpose of the church is not for you to come and listen to me. That's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is for you to be encouraged so that you can give encouragement every day. You ought to have somebody you encourage every day in this body. Somebody besides your kids, your wife and your husband, okay? Somebody who is outside of your, your blood family, who's in the Jesus blood family, that you send a text to, that you call and encourage, that you do something for, that you go with them, that, that you do something in their life, especially when you know they're struggling, just encourage them. Encourage them how you do that. Speak God's word. Be God to them. Show them who Jesus is and speak the truth to their life because that's the only way that you can battle lies when you speak the truth, okay? And... Uh, that's why the Bible sometimes says, I want you to rejoice with those who rejoice, and I want you to weep with those who weep. I want you to come on. Is there anybody here who's dysfunctional that cannot encourage? So many people think, oh, I can't do anything to serve the Lord because I can't teach. Okay? Don't need you to teach. we got all our teaching positions filled. But everybody can encourage. Everybody can, can speak a word. You know, and you go, I don't know the Bible. Okay, go online. Type it up and go, Verses of encouragement. That's all you got to do. Boom! There's a hundred of them. You get your phone go, Hey brother, I just want to send this to you. Hey sister, I just want to send this to you. Now how difficult is that? You know, so is that being serving God? Absolutely. There's nothing greater than you speaking God's word to people, is it? You know, your words and your hugs and your cries can't do half of what God's word can do. And so you can do that. That's serving the Lord. And so... So being encouraged starts off by keeping your eyes fixed on the glory of God. Okay, think about this. Here's their situation. Elizabeth was barren. They were, the Bible says, well advanced. If you've got the KJV, it says, well stricken. Some of us are well stricken in years. Amen. And, 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 but, but it means that they were just older age. They were beyond the childbearing age. Okay. And, and then you get this. They had been obviously praying and praying because having a kid back then in their culture, and I think it's a big deal now. I think it's the greatest blessing God gives us right. apart from our salvation, our marriage. 
but but to them, you know, it was a it was a shame to a woman in their culture if she didn't have a child. And so here she is, childless, and all the other women talking about her and, and thinking that God's done cursed her or whatever. And so they pray and they pray, and then and then you put the situation to where you know he was a priest. And all this time, think about this, all this time it said that they were righteous, that they remained faithful to the Lord. So there was a lot of reasons why they were discouraged and they, they chose to be discouraged in this situation where they were. But the thing is that they were looking at, <clears throat> at the barrenness and they were looking at what they didn't have and, and what God hadn't given them at that point and it was consuming them. You know, the devil was lying going, you know, God, I can imagine what he would have said. You know, he would have said, you know what, God's... God's cursed you. He's not giving you a child. You know, God's the reason why God's not giving you a child because you're not a fit mother. Or you're you know, there's all kind of things that He speaks in our mind, and we let those wheels turn in our head. And and here's the thing: God never said that. Don't go saying what God's doing and what God's thinking unless God's told you that. What they failed to see, and this is what we often fail to see, is that they failed to see that the hand of God was leading them to this place where they were. He had a purpose for not giving them a child for a long time. And here's the cool thing. Say, how should they have looked at this? Could they have not, number one, thought about what the Scripture says when it says, the ears of the Lord are open unto the cries of the righteous in Psalm 34. Also says in Psalm 84, 11, the Lord is a sun and a shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will God withhold from those who walk uprightly. So if you're, getting, if you're not getting what you think you need, number one, it might not be good. You understand? Because you've got you to look at life and go, you know what, I've prayed about this, I've sought after this, you know, I've, I've looked at God's Word on this, and I'm still not getting this. Maybe it's not what you need. Maybe it's not good for you. Maybe it's not as good as what you think it's going to be, because if it was good, God would give it. And maybe it's not the time that God wants to give it to you. Maybe God wants to build your faith and He wants to strengthen you because He's got something greater than just the thing that you want. Because this is not about giving them a baby. This is a greater plan that God wanted to involve them in so that they not only got the desires of their heart, but God got, received great glory and fit this kid into His plan, which was John the Baptist. So you got to think about those things and you got to believe God's Word because the devil goes, you know, oh, God doesn't love you. God's not good. He's not, he's not listening to your prayers. And go, yeah, He is. The Bible says the ears of the Lord are open unto the righteous. I'm righteous in Christ's blood. So He's listening to me. And here's the thing. God doesn't bring me to a place and desert me. So if He's led me here, and here's the way it works. So many people got some crazy thoughts about the Lord. If you're praying, and not out of a selfishness, but if you're praying, you're seeking the Lord, go, Lord, I just want your will for my life. Whether if you want me to move a job, Lord, I just want. If you want me to, you know, do this or have this or buy this or go here or do that, you know, Lord, I, I don't want anything that you don't want in my life. I, I know that you're good. I know that your plans for me are good. I know that you want good for me. I know that you are you are good. Amen. We just saying that, and I know this, Lord. So I'm just asking that you'll lead me. And some of us get this idea that God's like, okay, and He leads us for a little ways. Like, yeah, I changed my mind. And then we're just stuck there. You know, I talked, Cody had a deal this week. He was, like, he was discouraged. And I said, son, I asked him and his wife, Alyssa, I said, did y'all pray about this? Well, yeah, we pray about it. You seek God's will and ask God to, you know, guide you in this, to block it if you don't want this. And yeah, we did. Then what's the problem? Oh, we're facing difficulties. And did not Jesus say you face difficulties? 
So what you're thinking is, you're thinking that, that God's listened to your prayers, or He didn't listen. It's like God, I don't care, you do whatever, and you somehow stumbled into this. Or that God listened to your prayers, and along the way, you have a difficulty. And here's the problem, and I'm not saying they're doing this, but, 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 but so many times we do that, we pray about something, and all of a sudden it starts working, like, all right, and we'll praise God while it's working. Oh, praise God, He opened up the door for this, and hey, we got this, and, that. and all of a sudden this difficulty comes up. And we get a barrenness in our life. And the next thing you know is, hey, forget that what God's already brought us to. He's brought us out here in this wilderness to die. You know what Israel said? If you would have asked Israel, did God deliver you from Egypt? Oh, yeah, and it was amazing what He did. Our enemies was totally wiped out, and they even gave us... You know, all their reaches just to get us to go. Did you see God part the Red Sea? Yes, it was an incredible experience in my life. He parted the Red Sea. He made a way where there was no way. You know, He brought us out here, fed six million people with nothing. He caused a manna to rain from heaven. He fed us every day and all this. And all of a sudden, we come to a place where we're thirsty and there's no, you know, there's not a lake out here. Oh, God has forgotten His people. He brought us out here and left us to die. We would have been better off to stay in Egypt. You know why? Because all of a sudden they're just focused on the difficulty. They forget what God's done. I wonder what would have happened if Zechariah, who was the leader of his family, would have picked up God's Word and go, Look, I don't care how old we are. I read the book. Abraham was a hundred years old. Sarah was 90. She was barren until she was 90. And if it's God's will for me to have a kid, then I'll get a kid. And if I don't have a kid, then it's not good for me. And you just shut the devil off and you worry off and you just rested in the goodness of God and God would have took care of it and God would have got the glory, but that's not what they did. They missed the point that God had brought them to this place. If you look, I'm going to go real deep into this, but it's a good study. Zacharias, his name in Hebrew means God remembers. Elizabeth's name means His promise or His oath. Do you not see the hand of God that brought that couple together and go, God remembers His promise. God remembers His promise to David. God remembers His promise to Abraham. God remembers His promise to His people. And He brought about His plan through that. Can you not look at your life and go, I've seen the hand of God bringing me to this place. But the devil wants to keep you in so much chaos and darkness, you don't even look for God. Because you think... That God is just forsaking you, you know, because you're, well, I didn't pray, you know, 40 hours last week, so God's forsaking me. Really? You think God needs you to pray? You think God's just, oh, I'm desolate because He didn't read His Bible this morning? Come on, people, does not the blood of Jesus cry He loves you like you are? Y'all just pray and read your Bible because you love the Lord. And then, uh, I want to I point this out. <clears throat> Here's... He failed to see... This is the best part. Don't miss this part. He failed to see where he was standing. Now you get this picture. Zechariah, he's a priest. There was about 20,000 priests at that time uh, in that day. And so the priest would cast a lot to see who would get to go in and offer up incense. If you don't know what that is, you know, inside the tabernacle, the, the, the place of fellowship, remember there was a veil. It was a great curtain that hung between what, what the Holy of Holies... And this was called the holy place. Okay, They couldn't go into the holy of holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. The holy of holies. Don't miss this. Get this. Uh, you'll get it before I even tell you. Represents the throne room of God. The Spirit of God would be in the Shekinah glory of God would be in that place. That's where at that point in time, not now, but at that point in time, He would meet with His people. 
Right in front of that veil was what was called the altar of incense, okay? <clears throat> and it was a once-in-a-lifetime deal. When a priest got to go in and offer it up, there was one, they got it one shot, one time. And you remember that there was a morning prayer and an evening prayer. So at 9 o'clock in the morning, all the people who were there would gather around outside in the temple courtyard. And they would be praying, and they would be waiting to hear a word from the Lord. And the priest whose lot was, was got that morning, he would go in, and he would take frankincense and, and different things, offer up incense. And when he would put that on the altar, it would, it would be a smoke that went up in front of this veil or in front of, you know, the throne. And it represented their, their prayers ascending up to the Lord. And so Zechariah here, think about this, Zechariah walks in there, he is standing at the throne room of the God of the universe, the Almighty God who can do any and everything, and he's worried. He's, he's discouraged. And all he's thinking about is, he's supposed to be praying for the people. He's praying about a kid. Because, because later Gabriel comes and says, the Lord's heard your prayers. He, he might have prayed for everybody there, but he was supposed to be praying for the people, okay? Then, he, then the Lord's going to give him a word. He was going to go out to the crowd, representing Christ to the people, and he was going to speak God's word to the people that they would leave encouraged with hope that day, okay? And then they would come back that afternoon and a different priest would do the same thing. But think about this. He was there in a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Standing before the throne of God, and Satan was eating him up with a lie. How many of you miss once-in-a-lifetime opportunities? Because Satan eating you up with worry, and fear, and fret, and all these different things that, that when you go through life... Listen to me. So... Each day, think about this, each day is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You don't have yesterday. You ain't promised tomorrow. So at this point in your life, you're sitting in a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Oh, I'll be back next week. You might not. You might be six foot deep. You might be in a hospital begging for your life. We don't know what next week's going to bring. But so many of us, we just throw away our life because we do not realize where we are standing. Do you re- <clears throat> this work is good. Do you realize Jesus, the nine o'clock prayer, okay, this started at nine, and then there was a three o'clock prayer. And we're gonna go a little bit teaching right here. But when was Jesus nailed to the cross? There was a lamb sacrificed at nine o'clock. Jesus was nailed to the cross in the morning at nine AM. So the so the priest was going in that morning, he was doing his thing. Christ, the Lamb of God who died for our sins, was nailed to the cross. That afternoon, they didn't miss it because they were religious, okay? That afternoon, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and here's the, here's the priest, not Zacharias, but here's the priest. He goes in, he's standing there, he's offering up his incense, and here's the thing. If they went beyond that veil, they would, God would struck them dead right there. Because that at that time, their sins did not be atoned. Now, at this moment that this priest is standing here, Jesus cries out, it is finished. And at that moment, I can't imagine, forgive me for lack of words, I think this dude freaked out because he's standing there and the Bible says, and the veil was rent. He's standing here. Now, obviously, you know, get, get this picture. You know what God's saying there? That because Christ died for your sins, the throne room is opened up. 
they never seen inside of them. And, and so here's the thing. When you come before the Lord as a believer, the body of Jesus represented by the veil was shredded for you. His blood was offered up. And, and God's like, I'm satisfied with that. And there is an invitation given to every person who believes in Jesus. God doesn't say, come to my throne and pray. Come to my throne and get my word. God says, you're invited. I want you to bring everything to the throne because the throne is the place. I just want to read this to you. The throne is the place where impossibilities fade, where giants crumble, where enemies bow, where sin is non-existent, where battles become peace, where victories are laid at His feet, where infirmities are healed, where chains fall off, and where darkness is consumed by the light. Now here's my question. Do you realize where you're standing? As a believer in God, did you fret and you worry and you and you, you're discouraged over things that are minor? Can you imagine some of the things that you worried about this week that consumed God's glory, that consumed our worship, that consumed you know every thought in our life? Can you think about this? Would you would you actually even bring that to the Lord if you were standing there in the presence of God? Because the Bible says, "Come boldly to the throne of grace, that you might receive grace." You come there to receive, not just to give. You worship because you've already received. God says, I want to give you this. I want to give you victory. I want to give you hope. And can you not stand? I told my wife, you know, this week I said, how can a person who is sick, who recognizes who they are in Christ Jesus, that when you come to approach God, Jesus is right there with you, comes alongside of you, presents you to the Father as holy and blameless. This is my child they have request for you. Lord, I'm sick. You know, I know you're the healer. This sore is really bad. God, I'm just so consumed and so worried. I can't even think about you right now. Would you do that? I think you'd be like, what, what sickness? What trouble? What financial trouble? What, what job loss? I mean, good Lord. Do we not realize when we come into the presence of the Lord, what He's offering you? He's like, I got something for you. And so many of us forget who we are and where we stand and what you've been given access to. Now look at this, verse 14. <clears throat> this should be a place. <laughs> God's throne should be a place of just ecstatic worship. Of rejoicing, of joy, of... Can you imagine bringing... It would be like when you was in third grade and get that punk bully picking on your school... Can you imagine if you have a big brother or your daddy and, and the little little bullies picking on you? How would you feel if you brought him out to the car when your daddy was picking you up and go, Dad, this kid's just he's he's picking on me, he's bigger than me. Dad, I'm so scared, I got so much fear about this kid and I can't deal with it, and I know you can't deal with it. You would have been you've been torn to go, come out here to the car. I got somebody I want to introduce you to. And you know what would happen if it was my daddy, I can tell you what happened, the bully would have not picked on me anymore. <laughs> Y'all gotta forgive me, I gotta I, Next couple of weeks, bear with me. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we come before the Lord and worship to go? You know, Lord, lost my job. 
praise you, Jesus. You know why? Because you're my provider. You said you will provide everything according not to my stuff, but according to your riches and glory. So I just want to let you know, I'm just waiting, and I'm excited for what you're going to do. Praise you, God. I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to fret about this. I don't have to think about this, God. I know that this person here is sick, but you know what, Jesus? You're the healer. I read in your word how you healed one after another after another that you raised the dead. My child is sick, and I thank you that you're the Savior. I just want to worship you, God, because you're going to save him, and I believe that in Jesus' name. I'm not talking about name and claiming. I'm talking about his name and receiving the promises of God and praying in a different way. So many say, well, if I pray like that, what if it doesn't happen? What if it does? What would you do? This should be a place of... But here's the thing. Zacharias, it wasn't a place of worship for Zacharias. God's throne wasn't a place of worship. He didn't believe it. You know what? He didn't receive it. Look what it says in verse 14. Since I find it in this Bible. Uh, Let's look. No, verse 19. I'm sorry. No. Verse 18. Notice the, the angel makes all this. Angels, all the angels, he's just a master. He's like, this is what God told me. So I need to tell you. Zacharias complicates it. So he said to the angel, how shall I know this? How do you figure? That's what he said. How do you, you figure this? I'm well advanced in years. All of a sudden he starts magnifying his problem. I'm a wife, well advanced in years. <laughs> how many of you have ever said, I know what the Bible says? When you're in a situation... Okay, you pick your situation. Some of you are in circumstance situation this morning. And some brother or sister comes along or mom and dad go, the Bible says this. And I'll tell my kids, Cody and Alyssa probably get tired of them, Jeremy and Maggie might get tired. You know, God's Word says this. It says, boom, why are you worried about it? it? says it. I know what the Bible says. You know, my wife probably used to start listening to me. I'll be griping and complaining and murmuring and discouraged. She's like, well, God's this. And she gets carried away. God's this. God's Word says that. Look, I'm a pastor. I know what God's Word says. And you know what? I don't want to hear it. You know what I'm saying? How can this be? I know what you're saying. I've read it a thousand times myself. I don't believe it. I don't receive it. That's what you're saying. And that's what he says. And it's awesome. Well, I don't know how Gabriel said it, but I'm going to tell you what I think. He says, and the angel answers says, I'm Gabriel. Do you not know who I am? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. The same God who parted waters. The same God who spoke and raised the dead. The same God who delivered you from Egypt. The same God who delivered all your enemies in your hand. The same God that brought you from being a nothing to being a nation. The same God that that gave you a land that He promised. That's who I stand in the presence of. That's who sent me to tell you this. Now what's the issue? You know? I said, man, I, I don't know if he said it add to, but I would if I was him. <laughs> he said, but behold, he said, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you to bring you good news. Bring you good news. And that, that angel's like, this, wait a second, God, God told me to, God told me to, I stand in his presence, I looked at him in his face, and he sent me to tell a speck of dirt that this is what he's going to do. Why is the speck of dirt questioning him? You know, he got crazy. We're so crazy. <clears throat> and he says, all right, if you don't want to worship, verse 20, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the days these things take place. You know what he says? If God spoke it, even your unbelief ain't stopping it. You just ain't going to enjoy it. You're just not going to have any part in it. 
There's a group of people who are crazy as a loon. This church is praying for a thousand people to be saved this year. And some, some people's here this morning go, how, how can this be? I don't know, but you ain't going to be shouting at the end of it if it happens. Because you'll have no part in it. You don't realize, here is, here's a once in a lifetime opportunity. This is what should have took place. He should have been like, oh my goodness. I can't wait to go outside and tell everybody. All you people who've been Facebooking about my wife. All of you who's been lying about me. All of you who wonder if God is real. I'm fixing to walk outside and declare and go, God just spoke to me and we're going to have a son in our old age. He should have went and told his wife, no more worries. God spoke. God's already spoke. She would have been like, whoa, you know. But instead, he walks outside and he's like, he had to draw a picture. How many of you do that in worship? Let's be honest. Should not we come into the throne room of God this morning and be worshiping even over your troubles? Abraham, no, not Abraham. It was Jacob, I believe it says in Hebrews chapter stood and worshipped God leaning on his staff while he was dying. You know why? Because he was not consumed by death. He was consumed by the promise of God to go, you're fixing to step out of that old ragged body into glory. Man, faith is not proved by thanking God after he does something. Faith is proved by worshipping God because he's going to do something. Because you recognize where you stand. Because you recognize who you are. And don't give me this, well, you made a decision, you clean it up. God doesn't do that. I realize we weep what we sow, but when we're seeking the Lord, God's like, you know what? You're going to make decisions and the devil's going to come against you and then I'm going to show you my glory. And you're going to make another decision and Satan's going to come against you and you look to me in faith and I'm going to show you who I am. And I'm going to show everybody else outside who I am because all the world's going to know that you serve a God of glory, not some God in a box that you worship on Sunday. Man. So here's where I'm at. A place that should be full of joy and great rejoicing and worship all of a sudden became a place of silence. How many of you are going to be silent when you stand before the Lord? Now no, think about that answer. Saved, born again believers. One day you're going to stand. You're going to, you're going to stand in the throne room of God. You're going to be seeing Jesus. How many of you are going to stand there and go, Man, I wish I would have believed. Man, I wish I'd lived by faith. Man, I wish I would have. I wish I would have. I wish I would have. Wish I would have. And then you're going to have all these crazy folks over here who did. Who did. Who didn't care what the world thought? Who didn't care if they fit in? Who didn't care, you know, if they looked like some religious zealot? They just believed God. They loved God. They saw God. And they're going to be sitting there in ecstatic worship. How many of you do that today? How many of you come in and they go, what's the big deal? There, there is no big deal if you don't believe. There is no big deal if all it is is a Sunday hour for you. There is no big deal if you're serving the God of the building. There's no big deal at all. You know what the world sees? Well, most Christianity, no big deal. But, but to some people, to some people it's a big deal. To some people, you see what Jesus has accomplished for you. To some people, every time that you bow on your knees, you see you're before the throne of the God of the universe. Your daddy who's ready to rise up on your behalf and show himself strong for you. That's what he's promised. Said Chronicles 16.9 said, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. That he might show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts wholly given to him. 
Man, do you not realize God's for you? He's on your side. He wants you to come in His presence and bring your troubles and bring your trials and bring your challenges and bring your battles. But He wants you to give it to Him and worship Him because He is who He says He is and He can do what He's promised He can do. Man, wouldn't we be encouraged if we did that? This is my last illustration. But you remember back in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, the first battle that they faced when they crossed over the river Jordan, the river that God parted the waters, and they walked across on the other side into the enemy's territory, okay? The very first battle was a fortified city up on a hill that had double walls and was had an army that I could have thought it. You're talking about farmers, slaves. You're not talking about warriors. And God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in line. I want you to walk behind the Ark of the Covenant which represented Christ and His throne. I want you to shut up. Be quiet. Don't say anything. Because I don't want to hear your murmur. I don't want to hear your unbelief. I don't want you to speak anything out of your mouth. You just believe what I've told you. You're going to walk around that dude one time every day for seven days. And on the seventh day, at the moment that the priests sound the trumpet, I want you to shout to my glory. You know what they did? They shut their mouth. Imagine there was someone. It's crazy. <clears throat> it's crazy in every word. Don't you know God spoke? I know what God said. <laughs> there had to be people like me in that crowd. And so they're marching around. You know the story. Marching around, marching around, marching around. And on that last day, all the enemies up there mocking. What are you idiots doing? You religious freaks. Don't you know we evolved? <laughs> all these different things. And they just quiet. They didn't respond. They just walked. They followed Jesus. Followed Jesus. Followed Jesus. And on the seventh day when the trumpet sounded, the people lost their mind. And you know what happened? The walls fell. The walls fell. Do you not see the power of believing and worshiping God? To go, you said it, God. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to give you worship. Because when you speak, it's done. And it's done. So if you're here this morning, you're discouraged. You're looking at a giant of sin and failure. Maybe Satan's captured your vision with a circumstance. Or stolen your joy through your situation. Maybe he's filled you with fear or challenge. Before your face, crushed your spirit with impossibilities. You know what Jesus said? Come boldly. Anybody, any situation, bring your bully. Bring him. There is nothing too great. Because they feel, it's all what's awesome is, they should have been encouraged through, through, through Abraham and Adam. Why would, <clears throat> why would God allow them poor people to pray so long without giving them a baby? Maybe Mary needed to hear their story. Because right after that in chapter 2, Gabriel goes to Mary and he's like, you're going to have the Son of God. You're going to have the Son of the Most High. She says, how can this be? I have not known a man. I'm a virgin. I, I don't know a man. He said, and you'll keep reading it. I'm not going straight to the order, but he said, with God, all things are possible. Right. And then he went, your cousin Elizabeth, the one that was barren, she's six months pregnant. Maybe Mary needed to hear that to go, all right, if God can do that for Abraham and God can do that for her, Lord, whatever you say, and that's what Mary said, whatever you have spoken of your servant, so be it. Maybe you're going through your struggle because somebody else needs faith. Maybe God's doing something in your life so that you can show them what they need to do in response to God so that they look at you and go, now I have hope. This person's daughter or son were lost. They were out in the middle of nowhere. The church was praying for them. I thought they were crazy. Next thing you know, boom, we're sitting there in the church. I got to say it. You know, here's Kyle. I'm going to use, whether you like it or not, Kyle. 
Here's Kyle. Kyle's struggling with a lot of stuff in his life. He don't know the Lord. He's driving by the church. And... Cole, there you go. No, I've only known Cole for 13 years. Right, but Cole's the one that does our sign. I told you that was the last illustration I lied. Cole's the one that does our sign. Cole's out there. He goes out there. He prays the baby. puts on the sign. He's like, I'm so discouraged. So discouraged because nothing's happening. What's the big deal with the sign ministry? Don't see any fruit from it. What he don't know is Kyle's driving by every day. Reading the sign. Finally, the Lord speaks. He goes, Kyle, I want you to go to that church. Kyle shows up at church. You know what happened? Jesus met him and he's, his life is transformed. He's a born again believer. Trust in Jesus. Raised up from the dead. Given eternal life. Kyle's going to be standing in heaven at the throne. Praising Jesus. And Cole's got a part in that. You know what else? Kyle starts praying for his friends. And the church starts praying for his friends. You know what? His friends sitting right here this morning. Both of them come to the Lord. No, Jesus is their Savior. Life's going to be transformed. It's already transformed. But just go, wow, that's amazing. You know what? And all that could go back to Cole going, what's the point of this? Why am I going through this? Because God's got a plan bigger than Cole. And God's got a plan bigger than them. They're just a part. And you're just a part. Don't be, don't be discouraged. Look at your circumstance and use this as an opportunity to praise God. To go, God, any affliction, any trouble, any trial I go through is an opportunity for you to show who you are. So you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed and we'll give you an opportunity to come to the throne of grace. Let's have a word of prayer.